Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 2. Luke opens his Gospel by introducing himself and helping us see what he is going to accomplish as he gives testimony to the wonder of the ministry of Jesus Christ. We're introduced to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Jesus' birth is foretold, and Mary hears from the angel that she would bring forth a son. She visits Elizabeth and has a confirmation of who that Christ child is going to be, and then John the Baptist is is born. We move to chapter 2, and we discover how Mary and Joseph make a trip from Nazareth into Galilee and Bethlehem, some 80 miles. Because there was a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And as they arrive in Bethlehem, there's no room for them in the inn. And she brings forth her firstborn child, wraps him in swaddling clothes, and lays him in a manger. We're introduced to saying angels. Now I know our Christmas carol is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But if you read the text, it's saying angels who declare, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the shepherds go and discover exactly what the angels had foretold. They leave that interaction and proclaim all that they had heard and seen. We fast forward then 40 days. When Joseph and Mary are responsible to make a trip to Jerusalem to the temple, because Leviticus chapter 12 tells us that after the birth of a firstborn, They're to go to the temple and dedicate that child. Forty days after, if the firstborn is male. Eighty days after, if the firstborn is female. And offer sacrifices. And they did that because Jesus was born under the law. To redeem us who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. And last week we studied the text recognizing that Mary and Joseph fulfilled the exact requirements as God directed in the law. We are now going to be introduced to two other individuals. We're going to be introduced to Simeon. Simeon, who was faithful in the temple. Simeon, we are going to learn, was a righteous man, a devout man, a man full of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to be introduced to Anna, who is a prophetess. We're going to save that introduction for a couple of weeks down the road. Because today we want to look at Simeon. And we want to see how God used Simeon in a very special way to validate the truth that that one born in Bethlehem was indeed the Savior of the world. Now, the angel had told Joseph and Mary to call his name Jesus. Why? 
that he would save his people from their sins. And I'm not sure how all that computed with Joseph and Mary, and I, I can only imagine what their thought process was concerning this child. Simeon's going to give them some direct prophecy concerning the child. I want to take time to begin with verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. And I'll read the next 11 verses so that we have the text. And then we're going to go back and we're going to see how all of this works together in Simeon's life. You follow along in your copy of the Scriptures. Will you please? Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin with verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death because he had, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the Christ, the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as you and I take it and apply it to our hearts and live it out through our lives for the honor and glory of our God. Simeon, one whom God revealed as an identifier of Christ. You ever try to pick somebody out of a crowd? I mean, there are Monday mornings that I get in here and Connie Carey and I have a conversation about who's here and who's not. I want to thank all of you who sit in assigned seats. Because it helps. And there are times I will say to Connie, well, I didn't see so-and-so, and she'll say, well, they were here. And sometimes it's difficult to pick people out of a crowd. Uh, maybe you've been at a mall someplace knowing that somebody was going to be there, and you just can't find them. Uh, maybe you've been at a large gathering where somebody was supposed to attend. And you can't discover where they are. You know, it's even harder. What's even harder is being asked to find somebody that you don't know who they are. I get that every once in a while. I'll go to a church conference, and and one of you will say, well, look for pastor so-and-so. And And I say, who? Well, they were my pastors 30 years ago, and they're going to be there. You find them. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Well, this morning, Simeon is going to find the Christ child. 
And I give you that little bit of background to get you to start to think that Jesus was not identified by a sign on his back. And I want you to know that God is able to fulfill his promise. And God is able to prepare everything necessary to accomplish his plan. And God did that in Simeon's life. Now, I need to take you back just a little bit. Last week, we spent quite some time talking about Mary. And we talked about her purification and how she went to the temple under the law. And I want to give you a diagram of the temple, just so you kind of have in your minds an idea about what this was all about. In the temple, there were divisions about where some people could go and couldn't go. The outside of the temple, and if we can get there, please, Kathy, The outside of the temple was the court of the Gentiles. And all of the Gentiles were on the outside of this huge, massive building. Are we getting there, Kathy? We're there. There we are. Okay. What I'm seeing back there and what I'm seeing up here are different. My fault. That's all right. You're doing good, kid. Thank you. And if you look at the outside... That is all the court of the Gentiles because Gentiles were not allowed in the temple. This was for the people of God. Now the temple was divided up into different functions. And you'll see up here the court of the women, the court of the men, the altar. And the court of the women is where Mary went to purify herself. Now this was a massive room. This was Half the size of a football field. You got that? Probably three to four times the size of this worship center. You got it? This place was huge. And Mary was not the only one in the court of the women who was dedicating a child. I said earlier that every child was the firstborn were to be dedicated. Male after 40 days, females after 80 days. Mary was not the only one dedicating a child at this point. Neither could you tell the difference between boys and girls. Okay? Every once in a while, I'll get myself in trouble. I'll go up to someone who has just had a new baby, and I'll say, well, what kind is it? I have learned that new parents don't like that kind of question. I don't know. Not only were women dedicating their children, but this was the gathering place for all of the women who had come to worship at that particular time. Are you getting a sense that this... I'm going to get myself in trouble right now. Was a real place of confusion? I mean, simply because there was a lot of activity going on. Now, I mentioned last week that the purification process demanded an offering, a burnt offering and a sin offering. And that could be in the form of a lamb or it could be in the form of turtle doves. 
Now we've just added some animals to this group. Now, bringing an animal was not the only way that they could sacrifice. Uh, There were places that you could go and you could pay for your sacrifice. I had this in my notes last week. I should have brought it out last week. I didn't. A lamb was about a buck seventy-five. And around the quarter women, there were 13 trumpet-shaped, can we go to the next slide? There we go. Trumpet-shaped places for people to deposit their offering. You could bring in the actual sacrifice, give it to the priest, and they would sacrifice. Or you could bring an offering. I suspect that Mary and Joseph brought an offering. Don't know that. Scripture doesn't tell us that, but that's what I suspect. A lamb was buck seventy-five. Turtle doves were about six cents. You see the disparity in those who could bring lambs and those who brought turtle doves, pigeons. So this is the scene of what's going on in Simeon's world. And in order to get from the court of the women to the court of the men where Simeon may well have been going, you had to fight a crowd. You have your Christmas Presents purchased yet? I allow Connie to do my shopping for me. If I'm buying a gift, it's 1-800-BUY-GIFT. Connie, Connie, yeah, amen. Connie got, brought home the other night some, some stuff that I was going to get for her, which I didn't know. And she says, she says, are you going to get me anything else for Christmas? Because we had agreed on something, and... She had ordered it. And she said, were you going to get me anything else? I said, I don't know. Why? And she pulled out some bobble jewelry. And she said, I got a great price on this. Would you like to give this to me for Christmas? (laughs) But the reason I do that is, is I don't like to fight the crowds, right? I don't do Black Friday. I don't like to fight the crowds. Simeon had to fight the crowds. And if you kind of understand the context of where Simeon was and what was going on around him, it'll help you recognize the faithfulness of God in Simeon's life. Because here it is. There was no way in the world that Simeon, in and of his own self, could ever identify Jesus as the coming Messiah. How would you know? Except God. And may I just say this, and here's your take-home truth. When God puts a plan together, he fills in all the blanks. When God puts a plan together in your life, God fills in all the blanks, and you don't have to worry about it. Now let's get to our text. Verse 25 introduces us to a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. Now you are well aware that Simeon was one of the 12 tribes. Actually, Jacob's second son. Simeon was a rather common name in Israel. And it was a name that 
allows us to identify God's faithfulness. Simeon was one that God was going to use in a very special way, and his name means God has heard. Now, we don't know much about Simeon. We assume he was not a priest because he's not identified as a priest. He was not there for priestly duties. We assume that he was probably familiar with Old Testament text because he had been promised that he would see the Messiah before he died. God made any promises to you before you die? I went down to visit my folks on Friday. My dad is 91, my mom is 93. They still live by themselves. Although, if you ask me how they're doing, I'll just tell you they're getting old. And I will tell you they're not doing as well this last time as I saw them than the time before. My dad reminded me he has a deal with God. And he will tell me that God has promised him that God is going to take my mom home 10 minutes before he takes my dad home. Because dad cares for mom, and mom could not live on her own without my dad. Well, here's Simeon, and God had made a promise to him that before he died, he would see the Messiah. Now, we don't know if Simeon had talked to the shepherds. We don't know if Simeon had received any reports from Bethlehem about this baby that was born. But we can assume that Simeon had studied the prophets, even the prophet Isaiah, which foretells the wonder of God's redemptive plan. Isaiah is an interesting book. Isaiah has 66 chapters. How many books in the Bible are there? Okay, good. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah talk about what God had done as he was faithful to his people. Old Testament text. The next 27 chapters of Isaiah talk about what God's going to do as he sends his son to be the savior of the world. Get a chance, read Isaiah. It's a wonderful opportunity to be reminded of God's faithfulness. Now, perhaps Simeon had read Isaiah. And we'll see that in just a little bit. So verse 25 says, there's this man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. And it tells us a little bit about Simeon's character. Look with me at the text. This man was righteous. You know God puts a premium on righteousness? The scripture tells us that Abel, in offering a sacrifice to God, obtained witness that he was righteous. As God took Noah into the ark... Noah is identified as one who was righteous before God. 
You remember Satan's conversation with God about Job? Remember how God identified Job? He was righteous. He was upright. In the New Testament, James tells us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And Peter tells us, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God puts a a premium on righteousness. Now you may be sitting here wondering, what does it take to be righteous before God? May I just identify some, some steps that you need to take? First of all, you need to be a friend of God. You need to have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot be righteous before God unless you have a relationship with God, having trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And if you're sitting here today wondering what that means, please see me following the service. Because we've talked about unto us this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior, and I want to share with you about that Savior. But not only do we need to be a friend of God, we need to have fellowship with God. That means that our communion with God needs to have no barriers. There should be nothing that interrupts that communion. It should be a tight relationship. The Bible tells us that we are to be holy because He's holy. You know, the only way to have true fellowship with God is to walk in the light, 1 John, as He is in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So you've got to have fellowship with God. You also have to be following God. God, you said it, I accept it, I will do it. God, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to follow through and I'm going to be the kind of person that you want me to be. Those three qualities identify righteous people. Simeon was a righteous man. It was who he was. It was his character. It was not something that he turned on and off every Sabbath. It wasn't something that he got when he went to the temple. It was day in, day out, 24-7, 365. But not only was he a righteous man, he was a devout man. Do you see that in the text? His character was that he was devout before God. Being devout means that you're committed and that you're faithful to the things of God. Now, it doesn't mean you walk around with your nose in the Bible all the time. But it does mean that you're committed to living out biblical principles in your life, and you're going to be faithful to those things. I do my best to be a devout husband. I am totally committed to my wife, Connie. I want to be faithful to her. I want to do the things that please her. Hence, oh, honey, if you think I ought to give that to you, yeah, I want to give that to you. And Simeon was devout before God. May I say that he was careful about the things of God? 
He treated the things of God with respect. He knew that everything that God had given to him was indeed a gift from God. I wonder how many times we take things that God gives us for granted when we ought to treat them with respect. Simeon was devout. And Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Gospels take us from Old Testament economy into New Testament economy, right? And, and Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit would fall upon us and we would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. If you go back to Old Testament economy, you discover that God's Spirit came upon individuals to direct them into a specific activity so that they might proclaim the wonder of God. And as you look at it, you discover pretty quickly that the Holy Spirit came and went in people of God. It was the Holy Spirit who came on Samson. It was the Holy Spirit who directed Samuel. It was the Holy Spirit who enabled the prophets. And in Psalm 51, David said, don't take your spirit from me even though I've sinned. Because he knew that was a possibility. Now I need to fast forward to the end of the Old Testament. And between Malachi and Matthew, there are 400 years of silence. It's hard for us to endure 15 seconds of silence. 400 years where God did not speak to his people. As far as we know, there was no ministry of the Holy Spirit. There was nothing going on. Now, that didn't mean that God didn't care. But as far as recorded Scripture is concerned, we are not given any information about what took place in those 400 years. And then everything changes very, very quickly. And it changes because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was told, don't fear to take Mary because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Mary, when asked, how, how shall these things be? I know not a man. She, he said, it's going to be the Holy Spirit who's going to come upon you. Elizabeth, when she met Mary, experienced the baby leaping in her. And the text says he leaped because the Holy Spirit was upon him. Zacharias, by the Holy Spirit, declared that his son with Elizabeth would be named John, which was not a family name. Very unusual in that day. And now we discover that Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Aren't you thankful this morning? that each one of us is filled with the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. This is new economy. This is, this is, 
New Testament stuff. This is God's stuff. And the Holy Spirit guides and directs us into truth. The Holy Spirit brings things to our remembrance. The Holy Spirit teaches us things. I've been praying that God would use His Spirit in this service to work in our lives. Because I can say it clearly, I can say it concisely, but unless God the Spirit shows up and identifies His truth in our lives, it doesn't make any difference. And what made a difference? Not only was He righteous, not only was He devout, but He, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, had received revealed truth. And when God reveals his truth, it's always accurate. That's who Simeon was. But Simeon was also sensitive to the plan of God. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Christ's anointed. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now stop right there. I can imagine what might have happened if Simeon had chosen this day to stay home. I mean, think about it. Uh, may I encourage you, even when you don't feel like coming to church, come because God just might be doing something. And you don't want to miss it. You never know when God's going to show up in, his, in your life. And so Simeon, very faithfully, was coming to the temple and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reveals to him the promised Messiah. Can you imagine the ding? I wonder what kind of conversation Simeon might have had with God. Lord, you sure? I mean, I don't know this lady. And she seems to be busy with her baby. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on around me. Are, are you sure, Lord? I don't think Simeon had that conversation with God. I think Simeon recognized that God had very clearly revealed to him that he would be able to identify the Messiah before he died. Now, do you remember how I described the women's court? Half a football field. Teeming with moms and babies and animals and clinking in the, in the offering jars. Babies. Some 40 days old, some 80 days old. And by the way, I don't think if you're an 80-day-old baby, you're any more mature than a 40-day-old 40 40 baby. I think you got the same issues. And I doubt that all of these babies were quiet. 
Are you hearing the cacophony of, of all that's going on around it? Some animals, some stuff going on. And God says, there he is. Whoa. When God says, there it is, you can believe God. And Simeon had the privilege of identifying the wonder. And he went over to Mary and he took the child up in his arms. Can you imagine Mary's response? Hey, give me back my baby. Who are you? I mean, really? He took him up in his arms. And the text says, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. The salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people. The revelation that Simeon had received was that God's promise to him was going to be fulfilled and had been fulfilled that very day. Isn't it neat when you see God at work in your life? When you see God's promises fulfilled in your life? When you see God at work accomplishing what only God can accomplish? Isn't that neat? I trust that you look for those kinds of things. Because they're all around us. I call them God things. And don't miss the God things in your lives. The promise had been fulfilled. God, take me home. And it wasn't country road. God, you've now fulfilled your promise. okay and that promise was that there was going to be salvation for all mankind salvation prepared in the presence of people and look at verse 32 it's it's a remarkable verse a light for revelation to the gentiles think about that will you Remember I said the Gentiles were not allowed in the temple at all. They had to stay outside. But this salvation was going to be a light to the Gentiles. Even Gentiles are going to have a better picture of who I am through this. It wasn't until Acts chapter 10 when Peter is directly sent to the Gentiles. But that was fully realized. Salvation to all. And verse 33 says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. <laughs> think about that, will you? Do you think that Joseph and Mary had a clue? I mean, they too were students of the Old Testament, they too were righteous. They too were devout. They were fulfilling their lawful responsibility. They too knew the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But they just said there in marvels, wow. God's going to use our baby that way? Wow. 
this baby is the promised one? Now, only Joseph and Mary actually knew that Mary was a virgin. Wow. This is what God was going to do. They knew that they were to call him Jesus. They knew about Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 34, and Samuel, I'm sorry, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. I want you to catch this, will you please? Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now the bottom of this is this. Mary, through this child, you're going to struggle. It's not going to be easy for you. This was Mary's firstborn son. When our firstborn was born, I remember vividly going home and sitting on the bottom step of our stairs and weeping like a baby because I couldn't believe that God had blessed us with a child. God had blessed Joseph and Mary with a child firstborn. But on a human level, this was going to be difficult for Mary. Now I will fast forward you very quickly to the end of chapter 2 where Jesus is presented in the temple and he's doing his father's business and Joseph and Mary leave and come back. You're familiar with that that narrative and come back say what are you doing here and he says hey I got higher stuff to do that is the last time in scripture you hear about Joseph we don't know what happened to him but that's the last time you hear about Joseph Jesus grows up and at his first miracle do you remember how he addressed Mary Mary came to Jesus and and said, Jesus, they're out of wine. Can you do anything? You remember what Jesus said? Said, woman, what's that to me? He's starting to make a difference between his human parentage and his divine appointment. In Matthew 12, he visits his brothers and sisters And Jesus says, who's really my brother? Who's really my sister? Who's really part of my family? It's whoever does the will of my father. And do you remember the cross? Jesus is hanging there. Mary's at the foot of the cross. You remember what Jesus said to her? Woman, behold your son. 
I don't think Mary could have imagined all of that. But that's all wrapped up in what Simeon told her. John MacArthur says this, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ would perfectly verify the words of Simeon and the prophets. The whole nation of Israel turned against our Lord and ultimately the Jewish leaders persuaded the Romans to have him executed. Only a relatively small remnant of Jews received him and believed into eternal life. The rest would fall irretrievable over the stone of stumbling and rock of offense. Simeon says, Mary, (laughs) I hate to tell you this. But this child is going to bring you more grief than you can ever imagine. And I can't imagine it. I, I really can't. But what's that tell us? That God loved you and God loved me so much that he was willing to send his one and only son to be the Savior of the world even in the midst of all of the consequences that that involved. John says he came into his own and his own received him not. Isaiah said he was rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet God identified Jesus, the Savior of the world, as the Messiah. And he did it to a man who was righteous and devout and had received word of the Holy Spirit. And that man's name was Simeon. I wonder what God wants to reveal to you today. I wonder what God's Holy Spirit wants to do in your life today. I wonder what God's been doing in working out his plan in your life. And and you don't have all the pieces put together. Leave the pieces to God. He's got it. But could I encourage you to follow the example of Simeon? God makes a promise, he'll fulfill it. And if God has a plan... He knows how to put it all together. And he has and he does for his honor and his glory. In two weeks, we'll talk about Anna. Anna was identified as a prophetess. And we will see how God used her at the same time Simeon was in this huge place to recognize the Messiah. Now, if you have never recognized the Messiah, talk to me after this service, will you please? Because I'd love to share with you how you can have a personal relationship with him. Because that's what God wants in your life and in my life.